Something about the West Coast. Shh. Don't tell nobody. Welcome to Black and the Black Times Infinity. I'm uh, your host, Cthulhu's Prodigy. We have Blue, uh, Kronos, Old Ninja, and Stitch with us, and our special guest, Kamal Bell. What's up, fam? Man, I am so high. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get through this. <laughs> Just hang out. Damn. 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 Howard and Stephanie, man. Oh, oh. No. no. You are awesome. <laughs> I'm real interested in that. Oh, uh, damn. So my you're in Stephanie's DMs also. <laughs> <laughs> Starting off the show with heat. Yeah. Man, so might be checking up on us. Yeah. <laughs> so, first of all, we are so appreciative of you coming on here with us. Um, obviously, our listeners know you from Totally Biased. Uh, you had your, your amazing stand-up show. You're a comedian extraordinaire. Um, I actually saw your, your show, um, Ending Racism, in about an hour in uh, San Francisco about, hey, I don't know, five, four or five years ago. Um, so it was impressive as hell. Yeah. Well, thanks. I appreciate it. I, yeah, I heard you guys saying all those nice things about me after. So I feel like I got a high standard to live up to since apparently <laughs> something happened the other day. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, you're, actually, you're the reason you're going to make up for all the shit that happened last night. Yeah. So, yeah. We're this definitely is, going from zero to 100 with you. Yeah. 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 This, been, is, this is our comeback episode. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Like the Obama after George W. Bush. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Bouncing back. Let's jump right in. All right. First question we get, we have for you. I'm just going to take the, uh, take the wheel. Um, so I know you're not a huge fan of hip-hop, but I wanted to get your take on <laughs> what music do you like, you know? <laughs> That's just, just, why you going to put me in that corner? Oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I know you're not really black. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I know you just pretend black with your white wife. Anyway. Oh. Hey, we're some of us are in the same boat. So. Yeah, we are yeah. the white girls on the side. Okay, on the side. A wife down to one. Uh-oh. Yeah. So uh, it's funny you say that. I was just listening to uh, Kendrick's album this morning. So oh, okay. whatever. I I just like to whenever hip hop conversations come up, I just like to sort of exclude myself from the deep cut knowledge. Like I grew up with hip hop. I know. Yeah. I know. I know all the hits. Like. I'm not, like yeah. <laughs> I'm not that black guy. You're hip to the game. I, just, I can't quote chapter and verse. You know what I mean? So I that's, that's why I like to. And also, I did when I came to music. I came through a friend of mine who was like a, a white guy who was deep into jazz and and rock. So that's how I came through. But I ended up in a black place, living color, fishbone, twenty four seven spies, raging against the machine. So you know, I ended up in a black land, just a black suburb of hip hop. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm the same way. I'm not like a huge fan of hip hop. I mean, yes, especially right now, it's kind of most of it is shit. But uh, Kendrick, yeah, I'm a, uh, uh, when he came out with his new album, it was great. And even his previous albums were really good. So I, I listen to more metal than anything. So yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Whew, I'm yeah. <laughs> it's funny because Cronus goes to like metal concerts, and I'm like, dude, are you gonna be all right, bro? He's like, no, no, I'll be fine. Yeah, they keep me safe. They're, I'm like that one, uh, like I'm like a unicorn there. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody respects me. They're just like, all right, he's cool. He's got one black guy. I got the quota. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know I saw Ozzy Osbourne live in uh, San Jose. Oh, no, really? That was fucking great. I got high as fuck because they was just nothing but fools down there smoking. (laughs) I mean, the sad part is, like, when I go see Living Color or Fishbone and you're still one of the only black people there. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. There's more black people on stage than out here in the crowd. (laughs) So, you know, on Wiki, it shows that you you, uh, were born in Palo Alto, uh... Like, how was it growing up in Palo Alto back in the day? I, 
I didn't actually grow up in Palo Alto. I was born out there, and then we moved very soon after I was born. So I didn't. It's only when I moved back to California that I remember that I was born out here because I didn't. I didn't grow up out here at all. Uh, I grew up mostly in Indianapolis and Chicago and Boston and Alabama. Okay, because oh, wow. I'm from East Palo Alto, which is right across the freeway. So I thought maybe we might have ran across each other. No, no, no. lost cousin. I did. We did. Apparently, my mom did live in East Palo Alto, so that's where I was living when I was a baby. But I, okay. I can't tell you. I can't tell you about the streets of East Palo Alto. Okay. You wouldn't want to either. I mean, it's like <laughs> not a great place. I heard, I've heard it was quite black uh, <laughs> back then. No, not that way. Yeah, it is living in all in all those places that you just said. Like, can you can you give us a little bit of like life experiences that you got from each one of those places because that's a really big uh sort of mixture of, of different cultures and uh places around the u.s that you've been uh i mean i think that it is good because i was those are a lot like you said there's a lot of different places the one thing i think i came out of is that is no condescension for the south like i think everybody who lives outside of the south has a lot of condescension for the south without ever being there and it's not that the south is perfect but i just feel like uh th- that when people really condescend to the south i'm like oh you've so you've never been there is mm. what you're saying Mm. And so I, I think that's the big thing is that people like to really, you know, especially out the West too, like, oh, the South. I'm like, oh, you mean where the food is delicious and everybody's <laughs> <laughs> like, so I, you know, you know, and, the, and so I, I think that's the big thing. But like at Boston, it, like all these places are so different. And but it does make me feel like, it, it, you know, I, I travel a lot and I sort of I'm used to sort of dropping into places and going, what's the deal here? You know, which corner of town should I not go to? I'm used to sort of having to look into places really quickly and figure out what's going on. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, it's funny because uh, Old Ninja here and uh, Prodigy, we both have been to the South. We both went to HBCUs and we're from the West Coast, so it was definitely different going to the, coming from the West and going to the South and comparing these two different areas of the U.S. It, it definitely is different. I think it's funny for me because the people in the South can ask the same question as people not in the South, but, I'll do, but because of what the South is, is historically, it means something different. Like I was in... It's funny. I was in the South one time. I used to have dreadlocks, really long dreadlocks. And I went to a, <laughs> a Krispy Kreme, like you do. <laughs> and this white woman behind the counter was like looking at my hair like, oh, my God, can I touch it? And I was like, mm. I, but it was funny. I was like, yeah, I guess, because you probably never touched a black person. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to burn you or it's not going to like, you know, you're not going to Jesus won't forsake you. So I was like, yeah, give it a shot. Also, I'll take some free donuts. Yeah. 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 Either that then, or your phone number. But then in, like, Danville, this woman was like, your hair, can I touch it? Like, no, white lady, no! <laughs> <laughs> You're just being racist. <laughs> That's on you. That's on you. Uh, that's kind of a, it, it's funny because like when I went to Japan, I kind of ran into that same situation. Like uh, like Asian people just wanted to touch my hair. Like they don't want to like ask me like where I was from or anything. They just wanted to touch my hair because it was just totally different than what they've used to seeing. Yeah, it's funny. We I was just out. I was doing a thing for CNN yesterday, and I interviewed Davey D. And three women from the Philippines, like from the Philippines, walked up and wanted pictures with us. And I think it was just because look at black people. <laughs> <laughs> that was yesterday in San Francisco. So. Oh, wow, <laughs> that's. Awkward, because yeah. <laughs> like there's lots of Filipinos here in the Bay Area. That's what that's odd. I know, but I think that yeah, I feel like they had just gotten here or they were just visit. They hadn't connected yeah. with the community for the Filipino people. Uh, like, oh, they're actually we're all quite good, good with the black people. Yeah, well, that's don't worry that's about why it. I like living here in the Bay because there's so many different cultures and ethnicities mm-hmm. are all in one place. You don't have to like look very far to to see it, somebody that looks different from you. You just like lumpia. <laughs> that I do. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Limpy is good. Uh, so, old ninja here. I got a question for you. So, how did you get into comedy? I was always a fan. Like from, I mean, the the first two things I think I fell in love with in life was comic books and comedy. So, mm-hmm. I was. I once I found out that being Spider Man wasn't actually a thing you could grow <laughs> up to be. 
uh, comedy where like I was always comics were always superheroes to me. You know, Eddie Murphy, the artist formerly known as Bill Cosby. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was always a fan of those of those two, and so I just it just was something I always wanted to do. But then you get to the age where you're like, oh, I can actually try it in an open mic. But yeah, I've always been a fan. I remember seeing Seinfeld on like the Tonight Show back in the day. Uh, I just remember, it was just always something I thought as an only child I think it was something connected to it too like everybody looks at you and thinks you're great I got to get into that yeah so you mentioned some of these uh, comedians I take it those are some big influence Jerry Seinfeld the artist formerly known as Bill Cosby <laughs> uh, anyone else that helped uh, like influence you for your act well yeah those because those are the guys is when I was a fan of comedy as a kid and a teenager but then as I got into comedy I mean uh, you know certainly Chris Rock. I, I feel really lucky to have seen Dave Chappelle do like those crazy five hour sets. I've seen no, him at the oh. punchline several times. No, uh, I got to be there right when he got back from South Africa, when he was really like telling the tale. Yeah. <laughs> it was, and I mean, I, I, I saw him do like hours and hours of comedy. I'm like, this is the best, forget comedy. This is the best of anything anybody's ever seen. Mm. And you know, all that stuff exists. He recorded all of it, but it's all, it doesn't, you know, it's not, I don't know if it's ever going to come out. I think he's going to Tupac himself and just release an album yeah. Yeah. <laughs> after he dies, after he, Dies, quote unquote, dies. Yeah, uh, it's me, Hail Mary. <laughs> so, and then, and then, uh, obviously, Chris Rock, Bring the Pain, was like my moon landing that changed my life. Oh, yes. And uh, and then Bill Hicks is my, actually my probably my favorite comedian. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, yeah I, that that was the guy. I was like, oh, you can have opinions and explain them to people and be funny. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you also mentioned obviously superheroes growing up, and we are huge <laughs> fans of all things comics. Um, Tell us about some of your influences when it comes to uh, superheroes and comics. Are you Marvel, DC? What are you? I'm I'm ninety I'm ninety percent Marvel, and then like I mean you know everybody's Batman, <laughs> <laughs> my man. Marvel should just let DC just let Marvel buy Batman. That's oh. really he just fits in better there. Uh, oh, it got quiet. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah we were like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> and then we. I was also like weirdly a Green Lantern fan, uh, not and not the black one. Uh, the regular <laughs> so how how Jordan versus uh, John Stewart? Yeah, I mean John Stewart's not a fully developed character. Like I mean oh, I haven't dude, read it, so. I haven't read it in years. But back then when I was reading, I was like, they just painted this character black. This, this he does not feel black in any sort of like you know. He, and I'm saying that as a guy who's not a fan of hip hop. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> like there was just Damn. you know they, I remember there was some weird like. Not the, it's just they they're not they didn't know how to make it feel culturally relevant. And that's so I was never a, a huge fan of his. Although I think that's much like uh, Tanahasi Coates is like taking over the Black Panther. I feel like I'd mm. like to get big enough to reinvent the John Stewart Green Lantern. That would be one of my goals. He did. Uh, he did slide in the DMs of a hot girl. I did like that in Justice League. Oh, that was, <laughs> yeah. that was the animated series. So yeah, yeah. and he had a kid. And yeah, well, they okay, supposedly well, I, had. I haven't a checked kid. in in a while, so please don't let me uh, blaspheme on. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. You good? No, I think actually what you brought up was kind of true. I think when he first came on the scene, they didn't really want to. They didn't know how to do his backstory, and later on, they really developed the character a lot better. A lot of people prefer him over Hal Jordan because a lot of people felt like Hal Jordan fell off. Some people think that they're equal now. So uh, if you went back, I think, and started reading, you might see that John Stewart's uh, probably a pretty good character. I would, yeah, I would. I, every time, I mean, I've, I've, I have really fallen off the comic book thing because I have two kids and I work mm-hmm. a lot. And every time I, there's a comic book store right around the corner from my house. And every time I walk in there, I'm like, if I really invest in this, I think something's going to have to suffer. And it would probably be being a father. <laughs> yeah, you, you, kids, I'm too busy. I got to catch up on a lot of back issues. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I have this. The, the dream is that if, if if I ever hit that lottery ticket of show business where you're like, 
play the uh, donkey in a movie for five movies. And, oh. <laughs> and I'll, then my comic book collection will, will start to pick up again. Well, you know, I mean, once your kid, kids get older, you can get them into comics. And that's what I do with my daughter. She's 13 now, and uh, I got her. Oh, there comics. you go. She's a there huge you... Charlie Quinn fan. So, nice. yeah. Spe- yeah. Speaking of kids, though, so I saw on, like, your website, uh, it looks like you have a whole lot of praise and admiration for Doc McStuffins. Yes, I do. <laughs> so tell us a little about that. I mean, some people who don't have kids probably aren't, aren't familiar with how amazing this character in cartoon that, is. That still sounds like a porn name to me. Every time I hear it. Oh. <laughs> it's not a porn oh, name. It's a kid show. Doc <laughs> yeah, he did. Thanks. Uh. <laughs> Turn off that goddamn TV. <laughs> uh, I mean, for me, that when we had our daughter, our first, our oldest daughter was around like the age of like two when she started to watch TV, this show just sort of appeared out of nowhere. And I was very aware that like, it was like, I felt like, is this written for my family? I mean, forget if it's a cartoon, forget it's for kids. Just if describing the show, it's a show about a little black girl who's a doctor for her stuffed animals and toys. Yep. And so first of all, you got a little black girl who's a doctor. Boom. Did I blow your mind? (laughs) (laughs) And then her mom on the show is also a doctor. And so the mom has a, and her mom, so her mom's like, a, so you got two black women doctors on a TV show uh, that's not written by Shonda Rhimes. <laughs> <laughs> and then her dad is just this guy who he, they haven't really decided if he has a job. He just cuts vegetables all the time that he grows <laughs> in the garden. <laughs> and yet, unlike the John Stewart Green Lantern, it feels like a black show. Like it doesn't feel like. You know, even though nobody's listening to hip hop that often, it feels. <laughs> so it's like a. You're trying to say it's an animated uh, The Cosby Show. Yes, yes, you got to keep bringing that up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I had to, though, because it was too good. <laughs> I think the dad, may, uh, my assumption is that he's like a stay-at-home dad. Well, yeah, I think so, but they, I feel like they've left it open enough just in case they decide something, because he's never, he's never explicitly said it. He's just always around. Like, I feel like they could eventually go into some room where it's like, no, I'm also, you know, I don't know yeah. what he'd be doing, but I feel like Not there's... Yeah, yeah I, I feel like it's like a good comic book. It's left enough on the table so they can keep reinventing it if they want but, to. But I mean, hey, if if your kid is a doctor, I mean, why are you gonna work? Be stay at home, dad too. Animals don't pay that much. Actually. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. At, at least he's not going out for menthols. I mean, as yeah. long as that's not in the cartoon, yeah. I'm happy. <laughs> well, it's. I mean, it's just because, and even as an adult, I mean, I have kids, so I watch a lot of kids TV. But it's actually just. I mean, it, you, certainly I'm not saying I'm not recommending people watch it who don't have kids, but I am saying that, like, as a person with kids, there's a lot of kid shows that are horrible and are hard to watch. And I'm not yeah. trying to talk about Dora the Explorer too much. Oh, <laughs> shots fired! I mean, oh, Dora's yeah. a good show. It's just it's written exactly for kids. Whereas yeah. Doc is like it takes into the fact that you're gonna have to watch this show nine times because <laughs> of streaming. So let's at least make it entertaining. So yeah, I think it's a it's I think I got I wrote that blog about it. I think it's one of the greatest shows on TV. Forget forget just talking about it as a kid show. I think it's one of the greatest shows on TV and one of the most important shows on TV because my daughter grows up not thinking that black female doctor is weird. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so for me, I'm just like, keep going, Doc stuff. Yeah, I just, yeah, I'm a big fan of it. That's yeah. awesome. And it's funny because she's not as into it anymore, but I'm still like, <laughs> <laughs> you have a DVR and you're like, wait, kids are in the bed. It's I time like, for the go watch a new episode. Come on. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's interesting that you said that because I have like my god niece. She grew up watching uh, Doc McStuffins and she's like uh, Hispanic, but she has like, you know, blonde hair and like light eyes, but she loves Doc McStuffins. 
And she didn't care what she looked like. She wanted to be Doc McStuffins for Halloween, and she she did it. She wanted to, like, you know, get the stethoscope and listen to everybody's heart and stuff because she loved the character, and she didn't care what she looked like. She just wanted to be just like her. But not in blackface, though. No, not in blackface. <laughs> well, actually, yeah, she kind of did. I mean, oh, she did, but her mom's like, no, you can't do that. We'll get you the outfit. <laughs> you can run around with the little satchel and right. stuff, but you can't it's do the blackface. It's racism. That's, that's, that's Kids don't see color. That's what it yeah, is. Yeah, she did. Well, no. she wanted to go as blackface. Then. Yeah, <laughs> well, she literally wanted to take it, you know, she wanted to go method on it. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. You never go, go ahead, ahead Grotos. Get in here. And look, but the good thing about that is then you get to have the blackface discussion with the kid when they're like four as opposed to when they're 17 and in yeah. college. Yeah. 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 Exactly. After oh. they post it on social media. And yeah, shit. yeah. After Ooh. it's too late. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So actually, I want to ask you a question about uh, Totally Bias. So what was your overall experience? Was it positive or negative with that show? Because it was, it was weird to me to have like the show was great, but the channel it was on was kind of weird and it wasn't really like a late night show. It, yeah, yeah. I, I think I mean, I learned a lot from that show. I feel like when I talk about it, I feel like people got to watch me get like an associate's degree in television production over the two years of that show. Uh, Because I had never done that much TV stuff before. So I really was learning on my feet. And so when I think about it, I think about all the times I was like, man, if we could have done that differently, I wish I'd known better. I wish, you know, there's a lot of that that I look back on and go, if I could do it over again, first of all, I wouldn't do it. But if I could, (laughs) (laughs) but I would, I would, there's certainly things I would change about it. But also I feel like it was just what it was. And I really appreciate the fact that since it's been gone, like pretty quickly after it was canceled, it became a thing that people started to profess their love and how how much it meant to them. And so I really feel great that I get to be associated with something like that because a lot of shows come and go and people are not don't even aren't even glad they're gone. Don't didn't notice that they were there. You know, yeah, yeah it so was, I, like, for the rest of my career, I get to be associated with that thing. And it was a special thing, but it was also super hard and it was super stressful because when it was five days a week, it just became super stressful. And my family, we were living in New York and and just a lot of things that were like. It's not for me. It wasn't really a livable situation. So when, not to say I was glad when it was canceled, but it was like this big like, whoo! <laughs> <It was, laughs> as I've said before, because when it became a daily show, I felt like it's like it's like it became like a meat grinder. And sometimes yeah. the material is the meat, but if there's no material for the meat grinder, then you just put. I just had to put myself into the meat grinder. Yeah, so it was just right. the. But it, you know, I think we really. I feel like a friend of mine compared it to. Uh, uh, the Velvet Underground, like only 10,000 people bought the album, but everybody went out and started a band. And I feel like yeah. a lot of people who liked Totally Bias have gone out to do other things. And we introduced a lot of great comedians who are friends of mine to the world, and I feel really proud about that fact. So, uh, yeah, I feel like, you know, as a, as a kid, I grew up hearing a lot of African-American folktales, and now I get to be an African-American folktale. No, <laughs> that's pretty awesome, yeah. Good shit. I miss that man on the street. That was like, the, that's the greatest. Well, yeah. that's the greatest thing about the yeah. The new show is basically that. It's the it's me talking to people. The the show on CNN, uh, plug. United Shades of America is me going walk, going around the country meeting people and talking to people. So it's basically I couldn't have done that show without what I learned from Totally Bias. So uh, yeah, I'm happy to. It's I I feel like for people who like that part, we just turned that into a whole show. So you're gonna be like the black Anthony Bourdain or what? Except the food is way worse. Oh. <laughs> and, I, and they don't let me sit on the beach talking about stuff as much. <laughs> I have to get up the food. Uh, so, the, yeah, the first episode, the pilot episode, we went to the Ku Klux Klan. I can't oh, really shit. brag about their food. So. Wow. Wow. They don't even season chicken. I mean, oh. 
Why folks are chicken? <laughs> but wait, well, you know, oh, well, this is real. Like when we did, we did the episode with the clan, and first of all, yeah, it was scary. Uh, oh, damn. And we showed up in the middle of the forest where they were about to burn a cross. Oh, God uh, damn. Because because I'll do anything for healthcare. <laughs> oh. And so we show up in the forest, and there's like a there's like a phalanx of like eight or nine of them all all robed up, and as they call it, robing up. And I learned a lot of things. Mm. And this one wow. guy handed hands me a bo- like a plastic bag with something in it. And it was right around the time of the like the Trayvon story and the Michael Brown. Like there was all and it was a and it was a it was Skittles and a bottle of grape soda. Oh, oh God damn. damn. Yeah. And it, How do you handle like, that? Well, the funny thing was, I was like, it, it, we had been filming, then we stopped, and then he handed it to us, like, and I was, the funny thing, I thought, why didn't you do this on camera? <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> this is the most ignorant, stupid, racist thing ever, and I wish we caught it on film. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, I can't even wrap his, my head around that. Yeah, yeah that was his, like, I, the thing I did do is I didn't act, like, phased by it. I wasn't going to be like, oh, Lord, how could you? I was yeah. like, <laughs> oh, so I basically was like, oh, you got jokes. Because the thing I knew is that if I look like I'm being, like affected by this in a negative way, mm-hmm. then they're gonna feel like they won. And my yeah, whole thing right. was like, I'm gonna walk out of this having been funny, having made you laugh, mm-hmm. having made you question how much you hate black people because you actually kind of like me. And then I get to go home, but you still gotta live in Kentucky. Yes, the perfect good Kentucky, like the hills, the backwoods of Kentucky. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, thanks for the skittles. That's an yeah. awesome story. Wait, now, but the podcast isn't going anywhere though, right? You still doing that with Kevin and? Yeah, no, we it's we we just brought our new like we were trying to take a little bit of a break, but I did a couple episodes in the break. But yeah, no, the podcast we're 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 committed through the end of Denzel all the Denzel Washington movies were like two thirds of the way through, but then we've started to review movies twice, and it's just clear that like because it's picked up steam, we can go back and sort of re-review movies and bring new guests on who want to talk about movies. Like everybody wants to talk about the Equalizer, so yeah, come back on and talk about the Equalizer. So. It's uh yeah, it's not going anywhere. I don't know how, how far it's gonna go. Like I just don't because it's sort of it's become its own train that moves out of the station. But you know, like we keep people keep approaching us. Like we NDRE is on today's episode because oh, nice. yeah. yeah, it's just like who who planned that? Yes, we'll do the Stenzel Washington podcast and talk to NDRE about Remember the Titans. That yeah. was not a plan. Yeah, I mean, the, awesome. by the time we got to Ava DuVernay and then Spike Lee, it was like, oh, this is its own thing. It's just, this is bigger than us, you know. Yeah. Uh, as Denzel Washington is bigger than all of us, but uh, yeah, just to me, it was. Just, I, I, we certainly, it'll certainly keep going. I mean, we would do more with it if we had time, but Kevin is working on the last week tonight plantation, yeah. and they don't take many breaks. So, so <laughs> on, have you guys done a show for Virtuosity yet with uh, Parker Barnes? No, we haven't. Uh, <laughs> he showed the future. <laughs> There's certain movies, Denzel movies, that people love to want to talk. About. That's one of them. Like people, are like, when are you going to do that Virtuosity episode? I'm like, I think he can wait. I think. He can wait. <laughs> We still haven't done the Malcolm X episode. Slow really? down. Oh, wow. Yeah. wow. Did you do a hurricane we, one as well? We did do a hurricane okay, one. All right, that's, we did that with Dave Zirin, the sports political sports reporter. Because that's the thing now is we're trying to find people who match up good with the episodes who can also talk about where they – like we did the siege. Kevin was gone. We, I did the siege oh, with the, the women from the podcast, Good Muslim, Bad Muslim. Because yeah. it's hard to talk about the siege without also talking about like how fucked up it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you, had, you had Alice Wong on last time for, with the bone collector. I thought that was interesting when you guys – when she brought up um, – Cyborg. Cyborg, the comic book character being disabled, I was like, blew my mind. I was like, never even considered that at all. No, I, I, I was literally one of those moments where I was like, I might have to stop and take a knee. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, wasn't, I just wasn't, of course he's disabled, but you just don't think of it. He's not disabled, he's better. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, it's yeah. not, you don't think of it that way. And she, yeah, that was totally, I was really happy that people responded to that episode because 
you know, we really did the podcast is about Denzel Washington, but that was actively taking it another way, sort of spinning mm-hmm. it off the thing about like, well, he played a disabled person. How well did he do? What's the thought? What's going on with disabled people in show business? And so I was really happy. People responded real well to it. I, I was really proud of the Denzels because sometimes they will let us know when they're not happy. And so I was like, I was really scared that they're gonna be like, who is this? people responded well to it well yeah and the point about having uh non-disabled people playing disabled people in movies i was just like yeah why don't you ask my actual disabled to play disabled person it's like people get yeah. mad when somebody does blackface so yeah you know. I, yeah we're about to see joseph fines do michael jackson face with uh, yeah. Yeah. Yes, we, we, we mentioned that on the podcast yes and i had i had mentioned like you remember when flex did michael jackson like that was actually a really horrible job he did Wait, when who did it? When uh, Flex the comedian, oh, he played Michael right, Jackson. That, yeah, yeah, that's the. It's funny that that yeah that I say yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this basis. Yes. I have a lot of love for that movie. I mean, I think I think that's one of those we call black people homework on the podcast. I feel like the Jackson miniseries is black people homework, oh, but yeah. not that it not that it means it's all good, but it is black people. <laughs> God damn. Yep. Oh, good. For no. the Denzel movies, like which one do you feel like relates to your life? Like, which one is, like, kind of tells your story that you can relate to? Uh, I'm, pro- I'm probably, like, a man on fire, like a secret killer who's trying to <laughs> <laughs> Seven bombs up asses. Which one, yeah. which one relates to my life? Ah! I mean, there's, I feel like with Denzel, there's so many scenes from his movies that, I feel, like, I've, here's a, like, I've become a bigger fan of some of the movies because of the podcast, just because I've been thinking about it more and seeing it more. And remember the Titans is a movie I slept on for a long time. And now, whenever it's on TV, I, I'm like, "Yep, this is what I'm doing now." Uh, and I, exactly and maybe, what I said. <laughs> maybe that, yeah, maybe because he's a dad, and maybe because he's you know fighting the racism fight, and maybe because he never take. I think the thing about that movie is like that character never loses. Literally, he doesn't lose as a coach, and he doesn't lose in life. And yep, usually, yeah. that guy in a movie ends up getting shot and killed at the end. Like, so, <laughs> yeah. so I really that movie. I think for some reason, I think maybe it's the dad thing, and also the racism thing. Like. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not taking no for an answer, and I'm not taking yes for an answer. I'm taking three yeses. You know, so <laughs> I really feel like that's probably the one right now that I think of that when I watch. I feel like the most connected to. Are Are we living in right now an age no. where? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I guess we're dead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but are we living in an age right now where we have some of the best uh, diverse casts for both movie and TV um, with quality work? I, I'm seeing. More and more that I'm actually happy and proud of, you know, from a diversity standpoint. And I just wanted to get your take on that from a historical perspective. I mean, I think TV is way ahead of of Hollywood uh, because I think it's TV is cheaper uh, when you, you you know, Shonda Rhimes would have maybe made three movies by now, but she's now she's made thousands of hours of television. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So when you find something that works, they they very quickly want to spin it off into more things. I feel like. So I feel like TV is definitely ahead of it. Like, I think it's funny that, like, I don't know the actress's name, but she's the lead in that show, Quantico. She's a Bollywood star. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. She has a hit show on ABC where she every week she gets to play this, you know, Indian-American woman or Indian woman who's who's kicking ass and taking names. But she's a presenter at the Oscars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. Cool. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that to me is like, well, what's the problem here? If she, you know, and she was a star in Bollywood. Bollywood is like nine hundred times bigger than Hollywood. Yeah, like, yeah. they some ridiculous so, movies too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, I, I haven't said I never, I didn't say I sat through any of them. <laughs> <laughs> Their action movies are crazy. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, actually, like, oh, I'm sorry. No, no go ahead. Go, you go, sir. Oh, I was saying that actually reminds me of uh, one of Chris Rock's skits where he's talking about how he lives in like this really fancy neighborhood in uh, in New Jersey, and he's mm-hmm. like, he's like, I'm this this mega comedian star. He's like, my neighbor's just a dentist, 
and yes. everything. How how he's how he's got to do so much, so much, and she's this star in Bollywood, but she's just a presenter. In yeah, she's a Hollywood. She gets, would you like to present the Oscar to a white person? Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I don't blame her for going. I would go if they had called me, but I think it just it's just clear that I think for me because I've been thinking about this a little bit. I think what we need to do is stop pretending that movies are the highest level of artistic achievement. Yes. Oh. Like, I think because the Oscars have some sort of sense of, like, it's the Oscar, and, and like, it's better than an Emmy, and a better than a Tony, and better, and it's, like, better than a Grammy. It's just another award, and movies are just another form of entertainment. And I think the reason why they're kept so white is because they've let us, con- they've convinced us that those are the, that's the highest level of entertainment. When really, like, I talked to Ryan Coogler, and he was just like, eventually these people are going to die. (laughs) It's not even beyond that. It's like, who honestly watches the Oscars? Like none of my friends really watch, except for like my girlfriend. I mean, she's, she's white, but (laughs) (laughs) other than that, like all my other friends, yeah, they don't, they don't watch it. Mm -hmm. And then I I think what's more important is that, you know, it's a well-selling movie, you know what I mean? And that the critics are, it's well-received, but I guess getting an award is to me, I don't, I don't get it. Well, but they've they, they, they've convinced the public as a whole, and I'm a part of this, that like an Oscar is the ultimate thing, even though it's just a matter of perspective. And you can't – two things. One, and Spike Lee has talked about this before, and I think it's so great. He, he, Do the Right Thing wasn't nominated for any – maybe it was nominated for Best Screenplay, but it wasn't nominated for Best Picture or Best Director. That's the same year that Driving Miss Daisy won. Wow, Nobody man. has had a Driving Miss Daisy conversation since the Academy Award that yeah. year and meanwhile, do the right thing is this thing where you put it on and you go, how did he pull this off? It seems so relevant. It still lives. It's 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 a very unique film. It doesn't feel like a lot of other films. Drive Miss Daisy feels like every other film like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so I feel like that we have to start. So I think on some level, you can't tell me that it, that Straight Outta Compton isn't an achievement in directing and film. Great you just movie. can't tell me that. Yeah. You can't. And also, it's not supposed to work. It should have been a lifetime movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, it doesn't make any sense that it worked. Like we saw, we saw all saw it coming for a while. Black people were waiting for it. We were supposed to hate that movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we were supposed yeah. to, you know. And it works. Or Creed, he yeah. rebooted the Rocky franchise in a critical and a commercial way. That's not supposed to work. And you're telling me that that's somehow that's like to me, it's like it, it's, it doesn't make logical sense that those aren't regarded as achievements. So I think the thing we have to do is stop pretending that just because it's nominated, just because it's a movie, that somehow makes it better. First of all, and also that the Oscars, it's just a bunch of old white people's opinions. Which yeah. Yeah. yes, old white people's opinions tend to rule the world, but eventually they'll die. Uh, yeah, eventually they will. New I mean, generation will phase in. Well, we, we want to be cognizant of your time because we know you said you only had thirty minutes, so we're approaching. Oh, yeah, chocolate time. banana, chocolate banana. Chocolate ah. banana. <laughs> so, uh, anything you want to promote? Give a shout uh, out to plug. Well, yeah, I'll, uh, yeah, certainly. Uh, uh, United Shades of America is, comes out April twenty fourth on CNN. Uh, right after Anthony Bourdain, so they gave me that good spot, right. and uh, and also I'm doing a I'm I'm working on a live talk show with uh, KLW that's also a podcast called Come Out Right Now, and we had last episode we had Ryan Coogler on, and uh, you know we've had a lot of good guests, so so we've done two, so the next one is February 18th, it'll be on KLW Radio or KLW.org, and it'll be we'll be recording it, and you can come see it live in San Francisco February 18th at mm. the uh, Swedish American Hall. It's a lot, It's basically, for people who like Totally Biased, this is more of that thing that you liked, It's but it's on radio. Awesome, awesome. And, uh, and other than that, uh, yeah, I'm working on a comedy special that'll hopefully come out sometime in April, so. We, we might have to squad up and actually come to that show, man. Yeah. Cause, uh, oh, please do. Please yeah. do. Yeah. You, yeah. I mean, it sounds I mean, like there's, it's, I can't, I can't tell how many of it is. It sounds like there's 42 of you guys. So <laughs> I, mean, you know, yeah. I can, 
I can hand out a few free tickets. I don't know if I can hand out for the whole hip hop pasta. (laughs) We got a mixtape though. (laughs) (laughs) Want me to listen to your demo? (laughs) We'll be the only black people there. Yeah, oh. San Francisco, we can use every black we can get. And then oh, also, yeah. uh, March 17th, we'll be doing it at the Impact Hub in downtown Oakland. So, black we're gonna. Yeah, I think we're going to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, March, yeah, please come through. Yeah, hit me up. I'll let you guys put you on the list. All right, thank you. Oh, thank my you. God. Thank you Dude, so I'm, much. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. All right, we yeah, we appreciate you so much, um, and keep doing what you're doing, man. Yeah, and I'd love to come back. This was fun, guys. Yeah. Right, awesome. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Definitely. Thank you. Thank you for All your right. time. Have a good one. It's just a whole lot more money involved.